Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, we'll go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And uh, just a reminder, if you're enjoying us to rate and review us um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, um, subscribe, tell people about us friends, family. Um, it really helps. Um, and a positive review always boosts our week. We love it. We do. <laughs> yeah. Trump, uh, Trump was, um, like acquitted, which is not surprising, but still disappointing. Yeah, it was, like, uh, 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 I mean, especially after all of the previously unforeseen videos and the house managers put together such a persuasive, some might say just like absolutely incontrovertible case that uh, Trump incited this insurrection. Um, And the Democrats, I think, were just put in a really difficult spot because, you know, the right would say like, oh, they're impeaching Trump again. And like, even when he's out of office, like, this is all the Republic, like all the Democrats want to do, blah, blah, blah. Try to oversimplify. It's like, first of all, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have to be dragged kicking and screaming to do anything. <laughs> and the first impeachment was, you know, it took a while for anything to, to kind of rise to that level. This happened because it was such an egregious um, violation Um of all of our democratic principles, like at the seat of, at the heart of government um, incited by the commander in chief, just like so unacceptable. And of course it's not what the Biden administration or Democrats want, like at the beginning of a new administration to have to deal with this type of a um, impeachment. Like we all want to forget that Trump existed. Um, And this is obviously, so it, it just, It's just frustrating, but I do ultimately think it was so important to have it on the record, all this stuff um, for this to be studied and for the fact that and for Republicans to have to go on the record and vote against it. um, Yeah. You know, history will hopefully remember. And it was the most bipartisan vote against a a sitting or not a sitting, but president being impeached seven seven republicans voted with the democrats uh they needed 17 and that was never going to happen yeah but just ridiculous it's like uh, i mean we again we knew we're not living in a bipartisan dreamland <laughs> yeah i mean but it's not the way that that's not it it is not Pollyanna-ish or like Mr. Smith goes to Washington naivete to say this is not the way that things are supposed to work. This is not mm-hmm. the way government's supposed to work. Ted Cruz said to on some podcast recently, like in the last couple of days, because he and Lindsey Graham met with the defense, even though they were, you know, jurors. It's just like so unethical. But um, Ted Cruz said something like, listen, I told them 
you don't have to really, you know, you're never going to get the 17 votes. You're basically like, this case is already won. So that being said, here's like, you know, whatever Ted Cruz's stupid advice was, but it's like, that's, that is atrocious. I mean, just hopefully the further we get away from this, um, ideally we'll move away from Trumpism. I think part of maybe why I'm a little bit like just depressed and trying to take politics, like, I don't know, trying to take it in, in smaller doses recently is because I feel like there was like the, the adrenaline of all of the Trump years that I was kind of like permanent state of outrage and always kind of on guard. We were all like, um, like you said, like basically like plugged up <laughs> for for four years. Yeah. yeah. And then you get like the NMR or whatever. Um, yeah. But now just looking at kind of the harm that Trump has wrought on our country, like long-term looking at all the anti-voting rights legislation um, and the fact that Democrats are probably not going to get rid of the filibuster. So not going to get a whole lot done and the likelihood that the Republicans will take the Senate in 2022. There's a lot of depressing shit. So kind <sighs> of, so I'm kind of feeling like I'm feeling that exactly. I'm feeling like I need to kind of pace, pace myself so that I can be the best advocate or the best, like figure out a way to be the most effective advocate for the things that I want or volunteer for 2022, but that's going to require like, just like gassing up now and kind of like just pacing myself because we are kind of in this for the long haul. This Mm -hmm. Trump, Trump has really ignited something really ugly. Um, and we all need, it's not like, uh, yeah, we all have to be alert. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And in a a fight where you root for no one, Trump and McConnell are, are feuding now, which is like, (laughs) all right. It's like McConnell, you know, voted to acquit him, but then came out against him. Like, okay, whatever. Conniving little turtle man. That was the slimiest as usual. He manages uh, to be as slimy and as cynical eh, as possible. Just slimy about town. And yeah, Mitch, uh, or no, Trump called Mitch McConnell dour and sullen and unsmiling. Like not wrong about those things. Again, it's like, you guys are, (laughs) you guys are both like, right. But for once, but, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, fight, fight, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Yeah, I mean, I would love, like, in the way that history will be written about Mitch McConnell, which, um, again, like, should be studied um, as one ooh, of the... Who would play him in a drama film? <laughs> oh. A dramatic film. Like, young to now. Not, like, young, young, but, like, you know, the but life like middle story. Age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who go <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know you know the funny thing I was thinking um, Christian Bale because he occupied Dick Cheney so well that I could see oh. like with prosthetics him being able to do uh, a Mitch McConnell ooh yeah gross we'll see <laughs> yeah oh, um, Mitch McConnell's the worst but also like this I mean it just always bears kind of repeating that Mitch McConnell, as usual, like manipulates all the rules to exclusively like his benefit where he just didn't, you know, didn't convene the Senate after the insurrection Mm -hmm. until the day before the 
election of or the inauguration of Joe Biden. He just recessed the Senate for that whole time and then had the nerve to be like, we can't we can't um, constitutionally convict a president when he's not in power anymore. And it's like, but you had the power, you fucking snake. You did this. Yeah. Anyway, and this. Snake gives him like too much. Well, he whatever. I don't know. I, I can't think no of an saying. insult that's like the most appropriate for him because he's so awful. I have the best segue ever. And now that you said Snake. Oh, Deboa I constrictor. Was, no, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking of a Halloween <laughs> costume where I am Brittany in the like green outfit where she has a snake and Charlie's the snake. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like some like big furry um, yellow snake costume. Yeah. I don't know if it's out. There might be like a lizard who can just cut its arms off or something. Not a real lizard, like a costume. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah, that, there's an idea. There's, there's, an, there's an idea. <laughs> I love the idea because we'll just look ridiculous. We'll just be this like phallic slithery little snake i love like it like abused lizard <laughs> yeah yes yes <laughs> whatever you have to see it once you see it next year maybe the year after totally totally anyway britney spears <laughs> britney spears oh the main topic of today the document new york times in partnership with hulu and i think fx did a documentary called Framing Britney Spears. <laughs> Framing Britney. <Yep. laughs> um, uh, and it really kind of like exploded onto the scene last week, um, causing a commotion online. Um, and funny because when I texted you about it, I was like, oh my God, this documentary kind of like blew my mind a little. And you were like, I've already been down all these rabbit holes and basically knew about all this before. Not um, all of it. Not all of it. <laughs> Just gone down part of the rabbit hole. <laughs> well, it was, you know, it made me sort of embarrassed that I hadn't, you know, because I kind of feel like, especially for someone like Britney Spears, who's in the cultural conversation for such a long time, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that I've read that her father was her conservator or was there was a conservatorship. I'm like, I know mm-hmm. that I have read that in places somewhere, mm-hmm. but it just didn't, it was not like penetrating past just like the basic, okay, this is a fact. And she's, everyone seems to be fine with it and it seems to be okay. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, this documentary really is revealing. It just tells a really interesting story of, of her life and, and where she, why she's in the situation she's, in right now, which is pretty unacceptable. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot to it and we'll talk about some of it tonight. Um, (laughs) but basically like in 2008, after the series of what were perceived to be like erratic public appearances, but it was stuff like there's that photo of her with the, you know, umbrella or whatever, like to hit the paparazzi's car but it's like he had been pounding her with all these other paparazzi and like not letting her live for not just that night but like a very very long time you know mm-hmm. um she was going through a divorce she had two kids under two just like a lot going on yeah <laughs> um but 
when that after that happened, she was placed under an involuntarily uh, 5150 hold. And then she was placed on their conservatorship of her father. And it's been like almost 13, if not 13 years um, that she's been under this. Mm-hmm. And like she's been able to do plenty of like tours and performances and, you know, be a judge on a reality judge, you know, or seeing competition. Mm-hmm. Um, she could do all those things, but she is now under this conservatorship that it's alleged um, started, you know, when it was started, she was doing it because she wanted more visitation rights over her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's something to, to consider. Yeah. It's definitely, um, really, I think on its face, really frustrating, um, because that, and that part of it is so heartbreaking because, because initially it was a temporary conservatorship and Mm -hmm. especially when the, 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 um, the acquiescence or like her agreeing to this was to get some visitation rights for her Mm -hmm. children. And also in a moment where it, it was likely, we don't obviously have the medical records, but her mother had Mm -hmm. said, and it's asserted and it seems that she's also experiencing postpartum depression and with the Mm -hmm. two kids back to back anyway, like, I think, um, she got into, a situation I think was maybe manipulated by someone like her dad, who she mm-hmm. probably saw as um, a figure who she even, even, if, even though he wasn't involved much in her life as a, as a pop star. I mean, she seemed to have some level of maybe like respect for her dad that she, or like mm-hmm. a trust, like a familial trust that he was doing, stepping in to do something that was good for her. Yeah. I don't know that you would give anyone that power over you. I mean, as soon as she realized it was going to be permanent, um, initially, like in 2008, Mm -hmm. she had tried to hire a lawyer. The court determined she wasn't in a sound mind to have that lawyer represent her. So the court appointed someone to represent her, which seems super insidious that like Mm -hmm. someone else... the lawyer that spoke to her said that he, he deemed her to be of sound mind. She said uh, just based on what she, what she had been saying and that her one request, cause she realized she probably would have to deal with like more than a temporary conservatorship mm-hmm. was that her father not be in charge in her conservator and of her money and of her person. That was the request. And it was firmly not respected. I mean, and that, that is like just so austere to me that someone would say like someone who is not of sound mind mind like if you're trying to figure out who is the best like um representative to be making decisions for someone and again a conservator it seems is usually only done for someone who's elderly. And the idea is to protect them from being duped out of all their money or being manipulated um, in an end of life time or elder care situation. Um, It's so rarely used on someone who's so lucid and making like someone who's so high functioning. Like it's fucked up. Like in um, 2008, I think it, 
well, yeah, when he filed the document, uh, her dad claimed that she had early onset dementia when she was 25. And it's like one that hasn't even been documented before, like the mid thirties. And even then it's super rare. And if that were like, it's incredibly rapid moving, like that's mm-hmm. not a thing. Um, there was no like doctors backing that up at that time. I don't know what, like, I can't speculate too much on her mental health. I think like postpartum is definitely a possibility and something that people close to her have I've said like bipolar has been floated around a lot, but like nothing that means she should have a conservatorship, mm-hmm. you know, Kanye West doesn't have a conservatorship. Pete yeah. Davidson does, you know, it's like, we all like we're human beings. It's almost like a human rights, like disability issue. Like you need to have, be able to have control over yourself. Um, yeah. It's like her, her dad is so sketchy. He gets paid 130,000 a year plus reimbursement on office fees, plus 1.5% gross revenue of his daughter's tours and performances, including her Vegas residency. And 1.5 seems like a small number, but when you think about the hundreds of millions of dollars that Britney Spears makes, yeah, um, it's a lot. And like you mentioned, she has to pay legal fees for herself and them. Um, it's yeah. So she's done three world tours, released four albums and done the four year Las Vegas residency in these 12 years. Um, she's, she has had like a weekly allowance of $1,500 and purchases like everything has to be approved by her dad. She also does get like expensive vacations and things like that. Um, it's not just the 1500 a week, but those vacations, she's never allowed to go alone. They have to be approved. Um, she can't drive her social media is monitored. She's not allowed to go get coffee or takeout. She's not allowed to stray from her regimented diet. Mm. She can't, she can't go to a restaurant unsupervised. She's not allowed to hire her own lawyer. Like you said, she can't visit friends without permission or travel alone or get drive a car. Like I said, or have a credit card. Like, yeah. She can't get married without permission from her dad or have children without permission from her dad. No control over her bank accounts. Like, awful. It's it's really unacceptable. I I don't think it's, I do not understand too. And one of the lawyers was saying that basically like the burden, once you enter into a conservatorship consensually, the burden is then on the conservatee to prove that they don't need it anymore. And mm-hmm. because they've already entered into it, it's created this little cage that's very, very hard for them to get out of. And one mm-hmm. of the lawyers, I think it was like Vivian something, she she went back to work on the Jamie Jamie's, the father's, um, like she was hired after she spoke um, to the New York Times back onto his team. So that was like super sketchy, mm-hmm. but she said that she did not know of any conservatee who, uh, was able to get out of petition the court to get out of their conservatorship. 12 years is an incredibly long time to be in this type of situation when it seems like ironically, she was kind of duped into it or manipulated into it when she had been pushed to a breaking point, mentally extremely Mm -hmm. vulnerable situation. Um, yeah. I really hate too that it's like her father who, like you said, like she, he had, he had been bankrupt at some point um, when mm-hmm. her, and he hadn't been involved in her life really actively. And none of the women who kind of were interviewed for this, like any of the talent managers from when she was a teenager said that they ever had any real interactions with her dad. And when they, the one person said that he said one time, like, she's going to be so rich, she'll buy me a boat or something like 
super sketchy in terms of motives. And mm-hmm. like, I think I, I just, the fact that our legal system can be this like narrow and cruel in this way, like there's such an obvious conflict of interest in this conservatorship between like, like that, that makes you question mm-hmm. like who has her best interests at heart. If her father yeah. knows she doesn't want him to yeah, be the conservator. Why does he insist on it? Right. He also allegedly assaulted her son. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, why does he need to? And so last week there was like a bit of a victory because he lost his bid to keep total control of delegating her, her money. So now instead of being like the only conservator, he has to work with the financial firm Bessemer Trust, which like represents like Nike and stuff apparently, but they're going to serve as co-conservator. Um, and she's going to get to work with the person there that she liked, I guess. Um, so they're going to have to work together on it. He doesn't have full control anymore, which is good, but it's still like one, he shouldn't have any control Two, She shouldn't be in a conservatorship at all. Like it's, yeah. it's so, it's so fucked up and he's, yeah, he is sketchy beyond belief. Like, Ooh, it's totally like, yeah, like you said, absent, not like they're supporting her career when she was younger and then just coming to like cash out and, it's awful. And her mom was like very stage parent and she like apparently like sold her out and would like give money to like paparazzi or um, things like that. And was spending a lot of time, uh, the paparazzi that was spending a lot of time around Brittany, her mom was like paying apparently uh, or not paying, being paid by like getting a, a chunk of it. Um, oh God. Yeah, and they became estranged after her mom brought Dr. Phil to the hospital when Brittany was on the 5150 hold. Ugh. Like, everyone oh just, God. like, everyone in her life has just let her down. And, like, when she, in 2007, when she went in the salon and shaved her head and asked her bodyguards to close the blinds because there were paparazzi everywhere and she didn't want pictures taken, uh, one of the bodyguards that was there to, like, protect her purposely opened the blinds uh, repeatedly allowing a hidden photographer to take the now like those photos yeah the ones that are out there so everyone everyone has failed this woman and i don't know what the deal i didn't do much deep bag yet on her boyfriend it's very like i don't know i know there are rumors swirling that like not necessarily about him but that they had paid people to be her boyfriends and more like handlers in the past i don't know if there's any truth to that one though i don't know if i've seen any evidence of that but yeah uh he creeps me out but there's no i don't have much evidence either like i just feel like anyone that her father is allowing her to be in close proximity with and take instagram pictures with considering Mm -hmm. that they're he so closely guards her life and her person that this guy must be like kind of in cahoots like anyone who gets like jamie mm-hmm. her father's stamp of approval i don't really trust yeah yeah and he can't and he said that like jamie was like uh she's like i don't want to be too public i want to keep things private but like he said jamie was not like a dick but something to that effect or like an asshole mm-hmm. um after framing britney and after all that public outpouring uh, right. And it's like, okay, well, as the tide turns, like, so does he, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. 
I also like, can we talk briefly about her brother gave a totally batshit interview? Like, oh my God, oh, the women <laughs> in their family are loud. <laughs> yeah, he was like, they're strong minded and they just like kind of, you know, they want to do what they want. And the guy who was interviewing the brother was like, oh, strong minded, wanting to do what they want. That sounds constitutional, like because he because yeah, her brother didn't under like he obviously didn't understand. I mean, it absolutely raised eyebrows to me the fact that her father, her brother, and her mother are all around her, exploiting her, exploiting her money, mm-hmm. exploiting her status, seeing the conservatorship as a way to be a business. Like, what did yeah. the um that what did that uh there was that quote about um the uh the andrew wallet the other guy who was a co-conservator conservator with um and recently quit but he was for a long time with jamie he said um he petitioned the court for a raise for himself for managing this conservatorship because of the quote increased well-being and the luke and the um which was quote lucrative for um like the conservatorship And he said the conservatorship should be viewed as a hybrid business model. And just like, no, I mean, caretaking of a person should fucking never be tied to business interests. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate this entire thing. And the fact that the, that it could be set up at all in this way is very unsettling for me. I, I recognize that there's, there is the one thing that the lawyer, one of the lawyers who, Brittany wanted to represent her, you know, he mm-hmm. said, we, we don't know what we don't know, right? Like the court has not shared the medical reports that they have that they're basing these decisions on. Mm-hmm. So I understand that, but there is no, I don't think that there's like a medical reason that is, it's just not clear. And it feels very, um, just, not valid, whatever the medical issue Mm -hmm. from 2008 is like, we know that so many mental health issues can be managed Mm -hmm. with care, therapy, medication, a strong support network. And it seems that they're just entrenching this like toxic Mm -hmm. group of people who don't want her to have access to any of those things. Yeah. Yeah, There's this, and there's this guy, Sam Lefty that we'll get into too deep, but there's all kinds of shady shit surrounding him. And like, allegedly he had, um, allegedly he drugged her and stuff like that. Um, and just was trying to like control her. And he was also, he had been associated with like Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan and, so it's actually an interesting, like, contrast to Amanda Bynes because for her, she had conservatorship um, when she was having some mental health breakdowns in 2013. But then in 2016, her mom petitioned to remove the financial aspect of it because she was doing better and her, you know, and so, like, that seems like the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if it was even needed, and I don't know if it was needed in Amanda's case or not. I don't know her medical history, but... If it was, I think that's the way to go. Then it's removed. You know, you're not trying to just like be a leech off your child. Right. If you're a parent who really cares about your child and your child is saying, I don't want you to be in charge of my conservatorship. Mm-hmm. I think that any parent who loves their child would say, ah, that's understandable. I mean, I, I want, wh- who, who would you like, you know, would you like a bank? Would you like a, mm-hmm. like, I, I, there has got to be a way for 
the person who is putting themselves in the hands of another, another person, their money, their life, their medical decisions, credit cards, travel, like everything that should not be someone that they explicitly say they don't want it to be. And how can you call yourself a good parent? If you are like, I'm going absolutely against all this. And by the way, it's been 12 years of consistently me opposing what my daughter is saying she wants. My daughter, who, by the way, is a multi-platinum, incredibly successful, lucid um, performer who has said also that she doesn't want to create anything. She doesn't want to be performing or doing anything that used to, that, that, that is like the core of her identity and her, what she loved to do when she was a child, like this entire part of her, she is not engaging in until she has her freedom. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's huge. It's like, and there's, or like, she's afraid. She said that she's afraid of her father. There's a recording of her asking for help from her lawyer uh, or asking a lawyer for help because her dad threatened him several times that he'll take like her children away. Um, She tries to leave the conservatorship. Like it's just so clearly fucked up. Um, And when there was a, uh, when it was revealed that uh, her dad had claimed that she had dementia when she was, when he was making the petition to take control, the judge ordered a review of the conservatorship and then her doctor died days later, which is very mystery. I'm not going to suggest mm. <laughs> it's linked. I will irresponsibly mention it there. <laughs> I mean, but. it is very, it, it is top to bottom unsettling. It's very hard to see that it's hard to see her or basically not see her and know that there is something very sketchy going on. I mean, Absolutely. It is not, there is no way that the documentary is manipulating facts enough that we are getting something completely inaccurate about what's going on. There is, there is strife, there is suffering. And from that MTV um, documentary that was right after Britney had just started the conservatorship, maybe a few months Mm -hmm. in, it was like Britney on the record or something. And she, uh, my work like, phone <laughs> been there. Um, <laughs> she basically said that she was really sad and she, um, she, she spoke about the conservatorship briefly and said, if it wasn't there, I'd feel so liberated when I tell them, meaning like her family that she doesn't want it. She's like, they hear me, but not really. And then she just says, I'm really sad. And then she starts crying. Um, <laughs> it's, really heartbreaking. And then she, she does go on to guest star on TV spots. She recorded that album circus. She had the, she was on the X factor. She had the residency in Las Vegas. Like, so I, I mean, she already over the last 12 years, she's proven that she doesn't need a conservator or if she does, she's lucid enough to make decisions about who, who it should be. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think, I mean, we need to look at the cons- conservatorship laws because yeah, like, I mean, it was funny. There was like a bunch of TikToks where it was like, <laughs> um, I don't know, different people like this one guy was like, <laughs> you know, the gay is like making sure that they know, like reading all up on, um, on conservatorship and like getting their JD to like free Britney, um, <laughs> which is kind of how I felt like yeah. in, in Googling. Cause it was just like, Hey, wait a second. You know, one of the good things about 
I think these different documentary films that can expose things that we kind of like already knew a little bit about, but, but had no idea about the full, the full, um, the full span of the problem, kind of like, I think I mentioned it last week. I really felt like this was kind of similar to like the abuse happening with R. Kelly, where it was like simmering in the back of my knowledge base. Like, oh, he likes, you know, to pee on people. But hey, as a teenager, I wasn't aware that it was like all these jokes that were about like Mm -hmm. R. Kelly enjoying peeing on people. Wasn't It was like, wait, this is a joke based on the fact that he's like peeing on a minor? Like, on a yeah, video like, that everyone sees and thinks is funny and not like absolutely child abuse. I don't like what the, f- what the fuck? Um, and like, this feels like that where you look back on the, what was like kind of quote unquote common knowledge about Brittany, mm-hmm. what was going on with her in the early two thousands and you know, the late nineties, which by the way, it's worth watching the documentary just to see some of these clips and how Staggering! How disgusting the misogyny was. Oh my god! Talking about her breasts. Oh, oh my Diane oh my Sawyer, god. like guilt tripping her after Justin Timberlake. Uh, which I didn't know the Crimea River thing was basically like male revenge, like a revenge fantasy. I just fucking well, that went right over my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, they got this like actress who looked. You know, because you just see the back of her, and it's kind of like a Britney lookalike. Um, yeah. And then the song that she did after that was "Every Time." Mm. <laughs> it's very sad. It's sad, and I I forget. I was talking to someone earlier this week about how I feel weirdly. You know, like I mean, I think a lot of us feel. I don't know. It's like my relationship to Britney Spears is so um, like complicated, I guess, because I would think that I, 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 I never felt like I never disliked her, or had disdain for her. I just I love of, her. Like I just sort of had. She just sort of existed like in the background, and I liked the songs that she, like I liked the song like songs on the circus album and like I you know was always kind of rooting for her but also not really engaging with what was going on so it was always like uh, just a very background like when it was her and Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton like those pictures it'd sort of be like okay that's kind of like they're 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 hot messes you know um but I didn't you know I I just don't know but but Britney Spears herself and the, the early early years like I saw that picture there's that picture of that CD that's the the purple like a yellow CD or purple CD with the yellow flower and that did just immediately evoke to me like oh I was in fourth or fifth grade and this was one of the first CDs that I I owned for myself and it was she was incredibly um a big part of, of sort of that, like very early, early adult, like adolescence, you know, for me and for so many, you know, girls of that age. And, and I just, I, I'm sad that she was treated so badly and that we all absorbed how badly she was treated. Although, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think I, you know, I wasn't like watching like some of those interviews. I don't, I don't think I ever saw one where like, like the one where they asked about her breasts, everyone's talking about it, your breasts. And then you get so mad when and she's 17 in that. Yes. It's like horrific. Like by the time she's had the two kids and is like, 
having a mental breakdown, she's only 25 or 26. I mean, she is not the fact that she's only 39 now or something. It makes me think like we are really not that far apart in age, like functionally at the point where someone's 31, 39, I mean, that kind of hit me differently. Yeah, because it's like she felt so much older when we were like, when she first hit the scene, because we were Mm -hmm. like little tweens, you know, we were kids. Yeah. And she was like, you just, the way documentaries do such a good job of seeing, you see over time how, how someone gets ground down. And I think this is one of those, like, just, it's kind of devastating the way that you can just see like the shine in her face and like her, her, the joy that she got out of performing and everything just slowly. And her, and her, she has this sort of bouncy, friendly countenance initially and slowly it gets more like she gets more skeptical she's she's now at this point like cried and broken down on air many times telling people basically to like stop and leave her alone and like it's just you know she deserved so much better I thought that there was an interesting sentiment um I don't think it was on the documentary but maybe um where someone just said like you know the media broke her down and got her to this mm-hmm. broadly t- took her down and and maybe with this documentary and all the renewed attention the media will be the ones to ideally like to set her free again yeah <sighs> uh, let's hope it's so it is so trad so fucking tragic and cruel and like so much of her life she's you know like she can't even do an unscripted interview right now she's not allowed to um <sighs> she's so trapped uh it's awful it's awful 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 but i'm hoping i really i mean so many celebrities have spoken out about it at this point because before it was just like kind of like chitters here and there you know uh, Mm -hmm. celebrities who would like miley cyrus and people would mention things but after this documentary came out celebrities were a lot were were quite vocal um and people just in general i think on Twitter and different like glamour magazines, just different publications apologizing. And, um, and you know, that the fact that her dad is now co instead of soul is progress. I mean, like, yes. like I said, it all needs to be done away with, but, um, and that happened after this came out. So hopefully, you know, public pressure can, can help in this case. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it's so, so, so unfair. Like she's 38 years old. Let her live. Let her live. Let her, let her create, leave her alone. Yeah. Or 39 or whatever. Or 30, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was also like, there was some Anderson Cooper going to Larry King, like on CNN mm-hmm. when they were covering it around 2008, the breakdown yeah. and like Michael Moore, you know, <laughs> he, came, he came in, he came in and he was like, let's just leave her alone. She'd probably be a lot better if it wouldn't be so tragic if she was just left alone. Um, yeah. Uh, um, there was also like Craig Ferguson, the comedian, late night comedian had, he also said he kind of around that same time said, I feel like my aim has been off recently. I'd like to just like, I'd really, I'm not going to make any more jokes about Britney Spears. She's 25. You know, he's like, she's, she has two kids, but she's a baby herself. Like we need to basically like leave her alone. Um, and yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe. Could you believe the the Family Feud thing where it was like name something Britney's lost? Oh my god, that was Ugh. 
awful on family fucking feud it was like her mind her hair like oh her husband like yeah oh my god awful people can be oh so fucking cruel man also in the um aftermath of this documentary justin timberlake has Mm -hmm. apologized um which was he apologized both to britney and to janet jackson which Mm -hmm. people have been calling for for a long time (laughs) yeah um wasn't the best apology but could have been worse (laughs) could have been better could have been worse um he uh at least acknowledges and again i think this was like with the help of like seven thousand publicists um but and like a crisis manager but um he at least tries to also acknowledge that he um in the ways that he and other basically like boy band members sort of skated along with not very much scrutiny not a whole lot of like just destructive um paparazzi invasive paparazzi um and he was able to manipulate the narratives in both of these instances the super bowl with janet jackson and with the Crimea river basically like playing on the misogyny of the time and engaging very sort of like wink wink nudge nudge with like different um radio stations uh to essentially push this push the misogyny push the narrative in a way that made him seem like the angelic good guy and that she was sort of like the slutty unfaithful bitch um who broke his heart and then that of course got repeated on places like diane sawyer so so insulting and disgusting um and it was yeah the the kiss fm like interview or whatever i don't even think it was kiss fm it was like another like you're here with Bubba the asshole. Like we have JT. <laughs> Bubba the asshole. <laughs> you know, it's like there's always yeah. some fucking disc jockey who's like a total jerk. Disc and jockey. Disc <laughs> jockey. <laughs> um, he like. But it did take me back. I, even hearing the sound, the sound that was sort of like, we're here with Justin Timberlake. And like, I have one question. Like, did you fuck her? Um, it really made me it kind of brought me back to this one moment where I remember being on the bus going to middle school. I think it was sixth or sixth or seventh grade when I, and and I really hated taking the bus for a variety of reasons. But one reason was because the bus driver always listened to kiss FM. And in the mornings it was like these repulsive men who were just like chuckling at each other's like disgusting <laughs> sexual jokes that were like, yeah. Oh, and remember I hated that. I hated it. And like, it just was such a, a jarring and unpleasant way to like start the day. And that was before you could like, before I had an iPod to tune the whole fucking world out. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, it just, it, it reminded me that, yeah, there was sort of that in the background, that cacophony that was kind of hard to drown out you know just yeah. at all times ever present yeah <laughs> not anymore <laughs> no more kiss fm well no there's still kiss fm but it's not i don't i don't know i haven't heard it in a while <laughs> not a part of my life and thankfully yeah. like i can i'm sure it's evolved <laughs> yeah yeah at least there's you know there's people f- complain nonstop about cancel culture but it's like some of these guys should just be held accountable when they're being dicks like yeah this is 
not, you know. How about accountability culture, people? Yeah. Jeez yeah. Louise, let's rebrand it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's awful. And she's, you know, she's got her, you know, people don't know if she has like what control she has over her Instagram. Like she has, she definitely doesn't have full control, but um, I just, I want her to, uh, I just want her to be free and to be able to like speak her truth and do what she loves, likes to do without her, you know, being under her father's thumb. Yeah. I totally second that. I think that, you know, the New York times ended the documentary by saying that, you know, basically everyone in her family and that like creepy guy, Sam Lefty, um, mm-hmm. like they had all declined, um, to be interviewed. And they said, we'd reached out to, you know, her family about Britney Spears and we'd, or we, we reached out to her. We tried to, and they, they said, mm-hmm. it's unclear whether or not she received the request, which is like, Oh, I found that, that so is chilling. Spooky. Yeah. Chilling yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't even get through to her. Yeah. The New York times can't get through to her. Really mm. creepy, really yeah. creepy, it's creepy as hell. So great, <laughs> great, great, great. <laughs> yeah, ever pay attention. Like, if it's not in the news, Google it every once in a while. See what's going on. See if there's any way you can help. And yeah, it's just. <sighs> I want the best for her. She's given so much to us. She has. She has. All right. Well, free Britney. Free Britney. (laughs) And now for We See You. All right. So more Americans than ever are dying from drug drug overdoses during the pandemic, more than 81,000 last year, according to the CDC. And studies show that getting high quality medical care makes a huge difference, leading to long term recovery. So it would serve to reason that we need recovery facilities that provide high quality medical care. Um, however, there was a study that found that that is not the case in for profit uh, for-profit recovery centers. Um, according to their peer-reviewed study, which was published in uh, Health Affairs, many for-profit rehab programs are charging inflated fees and using misleading sales practices to attract patients without evaluating their actual medical needs. Mm-hmm. They had researchers calling over 600 for-profit rehab programs, posing as a 26-year-old woman who uses heroin daily. Apparently, the people answering the phones at the for-profit rehab programs typically were not nurses or therapists, and they usually weren't asking any medical questions. Uh, Per NPR's reporting of the story, they were salespeople using aggressive marketing tactics, trying to get credit card numbers, requiring a ton of cash up front, averaging more than $17,000 up front Mm. on average from this first call. Um, They found most programs don't provide evidence-based care, such as using medications like methadone. Less than a third of the programs offered any medication maintenance treatment at all, which is the gold standard of treatment. Um, It's, we just have so many of these for-profit industries that are wildly dangerous and inherently evil. Um, I mean, healthcare in general, prison and so on and so forth. And these for-profit rehab centers are incentivized to use treatments that don't work because then you have to go back and spend more money and we just have more people and more people um, who are, you know, in these cycles of drug abuse. And it's, it's an awful, awful thing. We see you. It's an awful thing. We see you. Oh gosh. Oh, that's depressing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's the, uh, we're starting the Lunar New Year, um, and 
it's, I think, a moment that we need to acknowledge that a lot of that there's a huge uptick in um, Asian American or violence against the Asian American communities, uh, specifically in New York and the Bay Area. Um, an 84 year old died after being violently shoved and a 64 uh, year old woman was robbed outside a Vietnamese market in San Jose. Um a uh, 61-year-old Filipino man was slashed in the face last week on a New York City subway and lots of people are around and no one did anything. Um, and, and a 91-year-old Asian man was also violently shoved to the ground. Um, and those are just like a few uh, incidents. But um, in the last two weeks, there were 18 attacks in Oakland's Chinatown. Um, and there are reports that basically show that there are about 3,000 attacks that have happened against Asian Americans since the pandemic has uh, begun. And it's gotten so bad that um, different actors like Daniel Day Kim and Daniel Wu have offered a $25,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest of the person who assaulted three people in the Chinatown neighborhood of Oakland on January 31st alone. Um, so, there's lots of thoughts that this um, uptick in there have been, as we've talked about, broad upticks in hate groups and hate crimes um, against minorities specifically. Um, and uh, we need to focus just as we've try tried to shift the focus to um, violence against the African-American community. Um, we should also uh, take this time to acknowledge that there's, um, especially in the wake of the pandemic and having a president that called it the, uh, you know, the China, China virus and Kung flu and like all sorts of like offensive, um, names, uh, it's, it's sort of helped to fuel, uh, xenophobic violence. Um, the, group that's reporting the data, um, Stop AAPI Hate, um, issued uh, data saying that the over, you know, there's the 3,000 plus reports of anti-Asian hate across 47 states and Washington, D.C., um, although they're focused in New York and the Bay Area. It's, it's, it's a broad nationwide uh, problem. 71% um, of these cases were verbal harassment, um, while shunning or avoidance made up 21% and about 9% involved physical assaults and 6% included purposefully being coughed or spit on. <sighs> um, so this is also an eightfold increase in anti-Asian hate crime, specifically in New York since the same period in 2019. Um, so it's, it's a big issue, uh, just needs our, um, our attention and, um, I would just say, I think it's like, this is one of many, um, <laughs> this is something where I think the hate, the ignorance um, has trickled down from the Trump administration. There are many ways in mm. which he has emboldened people to be their absolute worst selves. And then all these people being their worst selves have organized on the internet and felt totally emboldened to like spit on people and be xenophobic and racist and um, violent. Um, and in some cases killing elderly Asian um, citizens. So it's incredibly distressing. We see you. God, it's, yeah. It's so awful. I'm so glad you did that one. All right. So there was a story on HuffPost titled my husband and I thought education was way out of poverty. Now we're $718,000 in debt. 
Um, in it, a black woman tells the story of being the first in her family to go to college and the journey that led her and her husband to accumulating massive debt, one that wouldn't be nearly as difficult if it weren't for systemic racism and predatory college loans. But people still have to comment, harping on personal responsibility in various ways, uh, particularly people saying, I worked and went to school. If you can't afford to go to school, don't go. Okay, so poor people should just stay poor. Okay, great. No, and it's like, we definitely do need to like invest in trade schools and things like that too, but everyone should have the option for affordable, in my opinion, free college or trade school education. And it's like, just because you suffered through paying tuition doesn't mean someone else should too. And that's like a very shitty instinct to have. Um, like, should we never advance medical treatments because it's not fair to those who have suffered from cancer that some people should suffer less from cancer? Like, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Like, let's make things better as we can. Mm -hmm. um, let's stop harping on about how like, oh, well, when I went to college, how old are you? Oh, it was how, how, how many, like dozens of dollars a semester. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, we see you. <laughs> <laughs> we see you. Ugh. Um, so <laughs> earlier this week, I saw an economist, um, article, uh, where they tweeted the caption, the key to a successful marriage, not having daughters. <laughs> Um, I just went back and, um, hilariously they've, ch they've changed the caption a couple of times. Um, now, uh, let's see the caption. Parents of daughters are more likely to divorce than those with sons, but the caption is new research shows that parents of teenage daughters argue more about parenting than do the parents of sons. So, you know, I think, you know, this is, this is, this is a WCU to basically the economists um, sort of clickbaity title, because I think it's fine. Like let's, I mean, research, let's do research on all things. Good to know. It's good to know. Maybe, you know, it looks like from the little that I've read of this economist article, cause I get blocked by the damn paywall. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um is uh, it seems like it's an issue where the study says that um, daughter divorce risk emerges only um, in a firstborn girl's teenage years um, before the before the age of twelve. Daughters are no more linked to couples splitting up than sons are. Um, it's you know, do I feel like this is a particularly like valuable uh, article from what I can read? Not really. Um, I think that maybe I would love to see, okay, maybe if this is like a super wide ranging study where they have like a shit ton of data and it's like, uh, turns out that, um, yeah, daughters, firstborn daughters in their teen years, is like kind of around when most couples, parents get divorced. That's interesting, but I think it's more interesting when you actually get into like the why of it all. Like, I think, um, there other people on Twitter pointed out that like um, there's like a, a study titled do daughters really cause divorce stress pregnancy and family composition where like marriages end in divorce due to fathers um, not necessarily uh, like due to daughters um, fathers preferences for sons but it does explore the dynamics like um fathers not necessarily preferencing sons over daughters, but perhaps being more engaged in their 
development and in their lives, like inside the home and being maybe a little bit more engaged in just like domestic life when there's a son as a firstborn or when there are more sons, mm. which is depressing as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like depressing for a completely different reason. I kind of, I'm, I think just frustrated because just scrolling through and with all the issues going on right now, I think, and I think highly of the economist in general, I think that they're smart and they have very like dispassionate pieces of, you know, that have, have weekly analysis of data. And, um, you know, my boyfriend is a subscriber, but I couldn't be, <laughs> couldn't be fucked to find the login for this particular <laughs> couldn't we see you. Couldn't, couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Could not be bothered. I, uh, you know, maybe at some point, but the, we see you is really too, too clickbaity, manipulative, uh, statements that you're just trying to get people to pop off on Twitter. Um, Cause I really felt like it read marriage on the rocks. It's probably your daughter's fault. You know, yeah. that's like what, blame a girl. <laughs> yeah. It's like what the gist of it is. And I yeah. think, it, you know, luckily I am not, you know, my parents are together, which is, I realize how lucky I am. I, you know, it's, it's definitely great. Um, but it is what, from what I've heard about, parents that are, you know, children of divorced parents, like a lot of people, kids blame themselves and um, not thinking, I'm thinking it's probably not super helpful to be putting forth an article where you're like, you're like, actually data shows it is your fault, but only if you're a daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, you got a problem, blame a girl. Yeah. Like hopefully you've got some rigorous science to back that up assholes. So anyway, um, we see you to the economist <laughs> CEO. Um, this next one is, uh, for Joss Whedon, um, uh, charisma carpenter who played Cordelia chase on Buffy the vampire slayer and angel. Um, I was quite a Buffy stan myself. Uh, she came forward, came forward with like her story and what Joss Whedon had said and done to her while she was um, on set and during her time there. Um, and last summer, actually, Ray Fisher accused publicly Joss of abusive and unprofessional behavior during Justice League Um shoots in 2017 but anyway so charisma came out and said that he he being joss whedon uh created hostile and toxic work environments since his early career and she experienced it firsthand repeatedly um ongoing passive aggressive threats to fire her callously calling her fat when she was four months pregnant weighing 126 pounds oof yeah um he was she says he was mean and biting disparaging about others openly and often played favorites pitting people against one another to compete and vie for his attention and approval um she said that he called her in for a sit-down meeting to interrogate her and berate her regarding a rosary tattoo she got to help her feel more spiritually grounded in an increasingly volatile work climate that affected her physically um and that he he intentionally would refuse calls from her agents, making it impossible to like let him know when she was pregnant. Um, and when he would finally meet with her, he asked if she was going to keep it um, mm. and attacked her character, mocked her religious beliefs, accused her of sabotaging the show, and then fired her the following season after she gave birth. 
Great. Um, and when she was six months pregnant, they made uh, he made her report to work at 1 a.m. after her doctor recommended shortening her work hours. Great. Um, she started to have Braxton Hicks contractions. Um, she felt like the 1 a.m. call was retaliatory, which is <laughs> sounds sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so she and she was on that show for for years and years and other people who other women who were on the show came forward and um said that they believe her and or they saw behavior like what she was describing um so it's you know it's one of those things that it's like that show is just is it has such like it's a very feminist especially for the time kind of show and it's such a bummer when it's like those those men who like had purported to be better than you know like Mm -hmm. and seemingly understand it well like that's the snaky slithery motherfuckers the ones who understand what's right well enough to like write it in a show but in their personal lives oh it's so Mm -hmm. treacherous it's the grossest reminds you like i went to high school with i hate it i cannot stand it he is awful i um I think it's great of her to have come forward with this and yeah, fuck him. We see you. Yeah, we see you. It's super uh, insidious. Like you said, um, because these are people that know how to use the language of someone that is an ally or a good, good guy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) capital G, capital G, good guy. And um, it then contributes to, I think like uh, significant levels of gaslighting when they're actually a complete dick to their partner or to women in their lives. And, and then the woman goes, comes away from either a relationship or an sexual interaction feeling, um, like they, uh, are the one to blame for whatever, um, abusive situation has happened. And it's devastating. All right. Well, this last one, um, uh, is a story of an Austin family who spent $400,000 renovating their home. Um, it's a black family in Austin and, uh, they had the home appraised after all this home renovation work. Um, and the appraiser said that the house hadn't really made any real gain in value and they were stunned. So after, um, going through a whole kind of process of paperwork and everything, they, were able to get another appraiser. And this time they had one of their white friends pose as the homeowner. They took down the pictures of themselves and she put up pictures of her family and they really made it seem like it was her home. And the home was appraised for nearly a half a million more dollars. <laughs> My God. Um, I don't think this is an outlier situation. I think this is like what we talk about when we think about um, wealth creation and uh, it's sort of another way that there's this like soft racism that just sort of permeates everything and prevents um, minority homeowners from building wealth in the same way that white homeowners homeowners do without even thinking about it. So it's just another way that there's like this whole um, infrastructure of racism baked into everyday life that we wouldn't see, you know, like you or I would not see that, but it's very real. And in this case is the difference in terms of like wealth of half a million, half a million dollars in equity that they would have in their house. Like, so 
yeah, I just wanted to refer everyone to that. It feels like, you know, they also, the family also talked about how they were able to buy this house off market from another black family who wanted to make sure that they were selling the house to another black family so that they could kind of keep the wealth there. Um, so it just was kind of like overall a pretty, pretty illuminating, depressing little article that I wanted to draw our attention to. Um, so we see you. Uh, and seen. Um, good thing over in France, uh, they are rewarding frontline immigrant workers with citizenship. Um <laughs> Like you said earlier, uh, what I was telling you about, it doesn't sound so hard, does it? Um, no. So that's great. <laughs> Do that. This is one of those. We need more pathways to citizenship. And, you know, there's there's one way. It just doesn't seem that hard. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like some things are super complicated. Some things take a long time to unravel. But other yeah. things you could just fucking do. Not so much. Yeah, you can just do it. So that's one. And you also found a um, <laughs> new picture of us. Yeah. So, um, you also found a panda situation. Yes. My my good thing would be that there is this like video of a panda clinging to a man who's trying to clear away some some trees and some brush uh i guess maybe it's in a zoo i would assume um but this panda was like clinging to his leg and then he would like take the panda and gently like put it somewhere like away and then it would just like scramble back and cling to its leg and it was um a very so cute s- little cleanse. So sweet i love yeah. that she yeah. loves that you right, we'll, we'll leave it on a, a positive upbeat uh no a little panda positive for your oh panda positivity Uh. (laughs) we love it have a wonderful week everybody